Hey, everybody. Welcome back to One-on-One, -on -One, New York's longest-running sports call-in show on WFUV 90.7 FM, live on Facebook, on YouTube Premiere, all these different places where you can find us. However it is, we're thankful you've joined us. We are back now uh, for a special conversation we're going to have uh, with a friend of ours. He is a friend of the station. He actually won the Edward R. Murrow Award for this very station at this very university. He is currently a multimedia journalist of sorts at WKTV in Utica, New York. He's also uh, covering the Packers preseason. He's done some play-by-play -play work for uh, ESPN Plus and all of the ESPN online platforms. He is a busy guy, and we're so happy he's taking the time to talk to us. It is James Corrigan. How's it going, James? Oh, it's going great. And to hear those call letters and to hear the 90.7 number again is it's awesome. And it's great to be back on with the, the two of you. You guys are, are doing an absolutely fantastic job uh, holding down the fort and producing some great content in some difficult circumstances. Oh, well, we, we appreciate that. Thank you. And, and uh, same goes to you. So anyone making sports content in this time is, is made a lot of sacrifices, but you are currently doing something really interesting, which is uh, um, c covering the Packers preseason wise. And this is a really interesting year to cover the Green Bay Packers uh, because this whole Aaron Rodgers situation, which I feel went on really the entire off season. And now he's with the team but he wasn't there yesterday, I saw. Can you give us the lowdown on what that situation is like? Because it must well, be strange. The other day was just an, a regular rest day for him. He was with the team. He, he, he was with the team, but he didn't practice uh, on the field. But he, he didn't practice, but he was there on the field. But in terms of the situation, uh, yes, it, was, it went on for a while. Uh, I arrived here in Green Bay. I'm in Green Bay right now. I arrived uh, the weekend before – the weekend – uh, the training camp started, and at that point, there was no answer. You know, practice started on a Wednesday. The Saturday, there was no answer as to whether or not he was going to show up. You know, obviously, there were retirement rumors, but, you know, out of the clear blue, contract is, re is renegotiated. He shows up on a plane. He shows up on the field, and in some ways, it's like nothing has happened. But in a lot of ways, in almost every way, it is it is a bit strange, especially between him and the organization, especially with general manager Brian Gutekunst. Uh, Aaron Rodgers said it himself. He said a lot in that opening press conference, which was a, a remarkable, remarkable uh, press conference. This is something that's been building between him and the organization for for quite a while. Uh, he feels that a lot of veterans, a lot of people that he's trusted over the years has been wronged. Uh, were let go, were not treated well on the way out, and that he didn't have a lot of say in what the goings on in the organization were. And I, in my opinion, I think that a lot of his, uh, the breaking point was seeing for him was seeing the success that Tom Brady had in, you know, sort of more expanded role with Tampa Bay and being able to bring his guys in like Antonio Brown, like Leonard Fournette, you know, and to just play, be, be loose. And, you know, you see how happy he is joking with the president and playing golf on TV, although Aaron Rodgers played golf with him on TV. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers saw that and said, you know, why, why can't I have this? Why am I not even being told why, whether, when, whether we're drafting a quarterback in the first round and trading up to draft a quarterback in the first round. So 
Rogers the other day said that he and Gutekunst, the general manager, their relationship is a work in progress. And that I think is an understatement. And James, I've seen you snap a couple photos of Aaron Rodgers on the field. And like you said, he's trying to take the situation into his own hands as he should. He's the reigning MVP. I mean, they need him. And I'm just wondering what kind of vibe are you getting from him? Because if he is trying to take things into his own hands and have a little sense of independence, he also has the responsibility to be a leader too. So what are you seeing from him on the field now? Uh, well, he's had some spectacular performances in practice. I think when it comes to his play, he is not skipped a beat. Uh, he's making the throws that we've seen him make uh, time and time again, year in, year out. And I think his teammates have, you know, I think his teammates are happy to see him back. I don't see that there is a, a rift in the locker room. I mean, you never know what can come out uh, as we've, as we've learned, you know, randomly on draft day that he wants out, but I don't think there's so much a rift in the locker room. I don't think there's a rift with him, even with uh, Matt LaFleur, the head coach, uh, you know, even when he's not practicing like he was not practicing the other day, he was still with coach LaFleur, still going over things, still coaching up with Jordan Love as well. Uh, you know, so I think when it comes to on the field, I think less so there is awkwardness uh, in terms of his relationship with the fans. Now that was something that came about during the off season and, you know, there are still uh, a few fans that are, are irked uh, about how Rodgers has handled this. On the first day of practice, uh, the Packers do something where they, it's very nice, where they ride bicycles from Lambeau Field to their practice facility, which is about a, blo a block away. And normally they'd be able to interact with the fans while they're riding a the bike, take pictures and all that. This year, a little bit different with protocols. The fans were a little bit away, but it's still nice to see. And one fan... Uh, held up a sign. It was sort of a, an anti uh, Rogers sign. Now that's certainly the minority of fans here in Green Bay. The vast most of the ones that I've talked to uh, are are thrilled to see Rogers back because, of course, they want to win uh, a Super Bowl. But you know, it's sort of in the back of of some fans' mind. You know, you see even fans wearing Jordan Love jerseys. You know, sometimes and think about that. How many times do you see a, a team, a, a fan wear the the jersey of a backup quarterback? You don't. But you see, you've seen, I've seen a few of those in Green Bay. So it's not just a relationship with the fans. It's is something that is going to be interesting, especially after this year, because this is such a unique fan base, to say the least, in a unique football city. Talking with our friend James Corrigan here on one-on-one -on, -one on WFUV. And you, you know, what's interesting, James, is when there's this much question of to a certain point in the preseason about who the quarterback is going to be, that's usually not the sign of a competing team. But I don't think that's really the case with this Green Bay team. And not only is this a division that has kind of been up for grabs in the last couple of years, but this is a team that has the ability to, to push forward. So um, what is the, what's the energy around this training camp right now of what they expect out of this year? Well, what they expect out of this year is a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. uh, they're right now the second favorites, uh, odds-wise, in the NFC. You can argue that they have the best roster up and down. Uh, you know, obviously, they, you could make the argument that they should have beaten Tampa Bay last year. Uh, Rogers not running it in on third down. And of course the, the field goal on fourth down making a huge difference 
in that result. They've 26 and six over the last two years. Uh, you know, they've made a few upgrades uh, as well in the secondary first rounder. Eric Stokes as a corner is somebody really to watch. And Amari Rogers on offense has a potential to be a real, real weapon there. The third rounder out of Clemson is, is lightning fast. And I've seen him get some work in, in a lot of different aspects of the offense out of the backfield and the slot screens, kick returns. So this is a Packer team that is winner, winner bust. And the, the energy around this team is, is, is that and then some based on everything that's happened in the off season. Let's also remember that Devonte Adams is not extended beyond this year. You know, we all saw the Instagram post that he, the story that he and Aaron Rodgers made of Jordan and Pippen. You can argue the uh, egotisticalness of that post if you, if you must. But you know, this could very well be their their last dance. And Jordan Love hasn't even appeared in the preseason yet in his NFL career. This Saturday's game against the Texans is going to be the first time. He is on the field in a game setting for the Packers because, of course, there was no preseason last year. He didn't get any game action last year. So, you know, it's, you know, teams are winning, winner bust in the NFL a lot, but the energy is that, you know, this, this could be it. I think that's so interesting too, to think about. I mean, you're setting up a great story, the last dance, but football version, I would love to tune in and see how this goes. Um, but also it's interesting to think about too, how quick people are to judge teams ahead of time um, and ahead of the season, even starting. There's so many unknowns too. And if you don't mind, I'd like to transition too to just talking about numbers in general how misleading they could be, how important are they? As, as a news anchor and a sports anchor, you're with numbers all the time. You're always dealing with them. And so I'm just wondering, how do you manage these lists of stats that you get when you're researching teams and players? And how much importance do you really give to them? You know, you can only give so much credence to numbers because, you know, how do I put this? Numbers are only, you know, Numbers only put things in frame. Say, say you're looking at a picture frame. Numbers are, are a frame, but they, they, you know, it's what's inside the picture, you know, that, that is important. You know, numbers can help part of the story. You know, say the Packers aren't great. Say a team isn't great at running the ball. Okay, you're 31st in the league or whatever. Well, why? Because the certain members of the offensive line are struggling. Are there injuries? You know, are people transitioning to new positions? Are there young players? Is a running back, you know, coming off an injury? Is the running back limited in, in his potential? The same goes with, with news coverage. We've had a lot of, uh, unfortunately, we've had a lot of coverage of a pandemic lately that I've, uh, that I've covered in, in upstate and central New York. Uh, you know, when you see numbers, uh, say hospitalizations or positive tests or unfortunately uh, people passing away, you know, you can put those on a screen all you want. But when you talk to a doctor, when you talk to a nurse, when you talk to uh, family members, when you talk to people with family and nursing homes, when you, you know, talk to community leaders, when you talk to, you know, elected officials, you know, what they see on the ground, what you see on the ground, just being out in a community, you know, 
the numbers are are almost a compass. Almost the numbers can almost only be be a compass, and it's up to you to use that compass to find the story, if that makes sense. Excellent conversation we're having here with James Corrigan on one on one here on WFUV. Dylan Balsamo, Gigi Spear here as well. We're very grateful you've joined us. But you know, in in talking about statistics, uh, I, I'm curious, you know. From what I've gathered, this is your first time around an, an NFL team for an extended period of time as, a, as they cover it. So, you know, as analytics in talking about numbers becomes a more prevalent thing in, in most every sport, you know, we see it all the time with baseball, but it seems to be a very big thing in football now as well. And we'll, we'll see it progress with, with further sports. Um, have you seen that type of thing in, in, the, in the decisions that the Packers are making? I know it's still the preseason, so it might not be the best. Uh, way to get that type of temperature, but I'm sure in the in the judgment of players, people are using rather advanced statistics uh, because we might not get another chance to see a lot of these guys. You know, it's interesting. Some of the moves they've made, uh, I would say I've been a little bit more traditional, you know, filling holes, the typical things about that, and also having to do with the dynamics of the team. For example, bringing in Randall Cobb. Uh, Randall Cobb did not have a great year last season in Houston. Of course, nobody did. But Aaron Rodgers said, essentially, I want him back. And so, boom, conditional sixth round, one conditional sixth round pick later, he's back. Did he come back to fill a hole? You can say maybe, you know, they they weren't exactly missing him last year. They already drafted a, a... a receiver in the third round of the draft this year. But in terms of team dynamics, that was a, an acquisition when it came to that, you know, in the secondary last season, Kevin King uh, struggled in the NFC championship game against Tampa Bay, giving up the touchdown to uh, Scotty Miller memorably in the end of the first half, uh, making other mistakes in the game as well. Uh, they go out and they draft a corner in the first round. So you know, it, it's it'll be interesting to see how how it plays out when they cut their roster down. Uh, there's potential that a receiver that was with the team last year will not be with the team uh, this year, whether it be uh, Devin Funches or Equinemius St. Brown or Malik Taylor, who was more of a special teams specialist uh, last year. So it's hard to really gauge you know whether or not they're doing that right now. I know that uh, their previous head coach Mike McCarthy you know, claimed that he spent the previous year, uh, spent, claimed that he spent his gap year uh, looking at analytics, looking at numbers, you know, doing things like that. And of course, he threw it all the window in Dallas in his first year and doesn't seem like he's getting much new school uh, if you watch the first hard knocks. <laughs> That's for sure. So I guess it depends on on the organization. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not it plays into account uh, when they get to the 53. Oh, I'm sorry, my, there was a big, I'm obviously in New York, there was a um, fire truck going by. I couldn't unmute yet, um, but you know how it is. You, you you know I, I wish you had, that would have been such great entertainment. <laughs> natural sound, we need natural sound here. This is radio. That's, uh, okay. that's, that's the real magic. I'm not wishing any tragedy upon anyone, but if another one could come by soon, it'll be good. All right, I'll speak that into existence. Um, so also too, I think um, 
that I saw a couple tweets about the Olympics coming from you. And I know we're talking about Green Bay right now, and that's your current current assignment. You're there right now eating a lot of cheese, enjoying life. Um, but um, I'm wondering too about the Olympics for you. I know you tweeted about two New Jersey natives and how New Jersey actually breeds athletes. It's not Texas. It's not California. It's not what people think. It's New Jersey. And you guys are both Jersey natives. So I'm wondering, like for you, I want to hear who your teams are, first of all, that you support. And second of all, how invested were you in this year's Olympics? That is my big question about the Olympics this year, because I was not invested really. And usually I feel like I would so I'm just wondering about that. Who, who, what pro teams do you have? Um, and I guess college you could dip into too. And then um, how was watching the Olympics for you? Well, the Fordham Rams come first and foremost, of course. I mean, <laughs> that, goes, that goes without saying. Uh, along with the Mets, the New Jersey Devils, the Brooklyn Nets, uh, who have, are not exactly popular in Wisconsin right now, but, you know. <laughs> It goes both ways uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks in New York. But when it comes to the Olympics, you know, it was, it's very interesting. You, there's a saying that all politics is local. I feel like that it's similar for the Olympics when it comes to you know, certain Olympic athletes. Give me an example. In Utica, you know, there was a... a uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. There it is. There you go. You got your wish. <laughs> you, know, you know the funniest part about this? I can't even hear it. So if you had not said anything, this would have gone with, without saying. This is one-on-one, -on -one, by the way. We're talking with James Corrigan on WFUV. So uh, go on, James. You're talking about your teams. You know, and everything, you know, in terms of the Olympics, I feel like the local aspect is, is, has been overlooked until this year, where you see so much on NBC with these celebrations and these watch parties. One example is in Utica, there was a local athlete, even in, that was a current high school student, believe it or not, that competed in the Paralympic trials in, in wheelchair racing. And we covered it. You know, we, we got to interview, you know, this athlete and follow his, his journey in the, in the Paralympic trials. And he didn't make the team this year. But I feel like that is something... Uh, that you, you see in local news, you see in local coverage. You know, in New York, there are so many athletes in places like Houston, Texas, you know, there were what, 13 gold medal winners or medal winners in Houston, from Houston, Texas alone. But, you know, where I'm from in New Jersey, uh, you know, people like Sidney McLaughlin, who, you know, went to Union Catholic High School, you know, people, you know, people have been following her career in New Jersey. I was following her career even when she was in high school. She was such a, a phenom. And when she made the Rio games, she was a high school student. Then people like uh, Afing Mo from Trenton, you know, Jalil Muhammad from, uh, from Queens. You know, that in my mind is the essence of, of the Olympics, uh, especially when you're covering things from a, a more local perspective for a, a singular community. Those are the stories that, that really, you know, drive a lot of interest. And when you see in Minnesota as well with SUNY Lee in gymnastics and Gable Stevenson uh, in wrestling winning in dramatic fashion, uh, that is what, that's so much of what I love about the Olympics. And I, I was so thrilled to see so much of it. It's a quote from your speech too about SUNY Lee. You said SUNY Lee is everything great about sports and the Olympics. And what was it about her story that got you intrigued? Oh my Gosh, where do you even begin? 
where to even begin? Uh, you know, of course, the family story with your father uh, is one thing. You know, the families, especially in gymnastics, sacrifice so much uh, that you know to do to do all of those things and have to 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 have a father who was going through those difficulties with his paralysis. Uh, that's certainly part of it, and of course, the circumstances in which she won the all-around gold. Of course, everybody came in thinking that you know everybody came in basically gunning for second and then you know circumstances happen of course with Simone Biles and and all of what she had to, to go through in, in Tokyo you know what she the courage she showed to even get back onto the the balance beam with everything that was going on with her but you look at the perspective of Suni Lee and the, the door is, is open but you know after losing in the team competition and and you know, losing Simone Biles for the competition, so much is put on her shoulders at that point in time to to take it home and for her to to deliver the way she did and the, the celebrations for her family, you know, that that was probably my favorite moment in the entire Olympics. Loving all this Jersey pride we're having here, by the way. We cannot forget Tom's River product, Todd Frazier. Oh, gosh. Did you know he played in the Little League World Series? I never knew that. Wow. Wow. I, I, I'm so grateful you told me. <laughs> James, thank you so much uh, for, for coming on the show. We, we really appreciate it. This was a great conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, it's my pleasure, and it's, it's always great to, to, to talk WFUDV, talk Fordham University, and you know, what you guys do is, uh, is, you know, the work of champions. Uh, that's for sure. Oh, well, we appreciate that. Thank you. That's the pride of Edison, New Jersey, James Corrigan. We're so thankful he's joined us. We got a lot more one-on-one -on -one coming up. So stick around. We'll be back in just a few minutes. This is one-on-one -on, -one on WFUV.